What he's saying is, I have to be the most important thing in your life. I've got to be more important than your wife. I've got to be more important than your children. I've got to be more important than your own life. Leadership, love my bride like you love yourself and give yourself on their behalf. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? The righteous will say that. Are you a student or disciple of Jesus Christ? To be a disciple of our Lord demands that he become the most important thing in your life. In today's sermon, Pastor Eddie Mason continues this look at the differences between being a student and a disciple. Amen. I want to continue to talk to you about being a student or a disciple. Uh, there's a big difference. The student just wants to learn and consume knowledge and consume knowledge and consume knowledge. The disciple wants to follow the master and be like, who, like him. Ephesians says we were predestined to be conformed to the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. And so there, there's a part of us that has to line up and do what Jesus did. If we really are part of the end time church, and I believe we are, the book of Revelation gives us clear instruction. He says, take heed, hear what the Spirit is saying. If we lean on our own understanding, if we continue to walk by, by our intellect, what we will do is we'll wind up walking in a direction that God's not walking. You see, if God decides to make a right turn and you're still going straight, you're going to miss the, the, the blessing that God has for you. And so we have to do that. When Abraham was sent forth, he was just told to move and go north. He wasn't given any more instruction than that. And so when we move, when, when things move, when things change in your life, many times you don't know the end result. How many of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Amen. Turn around and look. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody knows. I, I heard a very tragic story that there was a, a woman that had just given birth in South Carolina and she had told a CNN reporter that she wasn't going to leave, that she was going to wait out the storm, and a tree fell on the house, killed her and her baby. And so, you see, she wasn't willing to move. She wasn't willing to change. She had always done it that way. And because she'd always done it that way, she sacrificed her life and the life of her child. And so, there, as Rodney was saying, and I just agree with that, there's change. And the Lord said, listen intently to what I say. And so we better be in His Word, and we better be listening to where, what the Holy Spirit to, uh, has to do. Uh, then, the, then the Lord uh, follows and says, he says, I know your works, and he says, I'm encouraging you to patiently endure. He says, I'm calling you to patiently endure. Turn to your neighbor and say, be patient. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I hate that. <laughs> and God said, do it anyway. Whether you like it or don't like it, patiently endure. We're doing a study in 1 Thessalonians on Friday night, and uh, Paul's writing back to the church there at Thessalonica, and he makes this statement. He says, I know, I know the, the, the troubles and the trials. He said, I know what all's happening to you. But he said, endure to the end. 
Revelation says endure to the end. Turn to your neighbor and say, to the end. We have to endure to the end. And so if we're going to do that, we're going to do that by listening to the Spirit and conforming to His image. Those that conform to His image are disciples of God. Okay, and so if you want to be a disciple, it's going to cost you. You see, when we were, when we were in the old church up on the square for, for several years there, the Lord wouldn't let me teach on anything but worship. For, for several years, all I've taught on was worship. And when we moved here, the Lord had me teach on relationship and identity. And an identity birthed out of that relationship. And now the Lord said, I want you to take it, take it from identity, from relationship and identity, and I want you to move into discipleship. You see, there's a progression of maturity. You've got to be a worshiper, and out of worship comes relationship. Out of relationship comes identity. And out of identity, you begin to follow after Christ as a disciple. Am I making sense to you today? And so you've got to grab hold of this idea of I'm, I'm becoming a disciple. A lot of people stop short. They'll stop short at worship. They'll stop short at relationship. They'll stop short at identity. And they'll never press into being a disciple. Last week I, I, I told you what it meant to be a disciple. So I'm not going to read the whole scripture to you. Just write this down, Luke 14, 25 through 33. You go back and read all that. I'm just going to do the highlights for you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What he's saying is, I have to be the most important thing in your life. I've got to be more important than your wife. I've got to be more important than your children. I've got to be more important than your own life. What does he say in the book of Revelation? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their own life even unto death. That's a, that's a major, major thing is not to love our own life and to want to run away. And so he's telling us if we want to be a disciple, he said we have to love him more than anything, including our own life. He said, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Notice in that scripture, he didn't say whoever carries my cross. He's not asking you to carry his cross. He carried his cross to Calvary. Him and a guy named Simeon, they, they went to the cross, and he bore that cross on our behalf. But he's telling you, you've got to bear your cross. And, and, and that cross is not sickness and disease, people. That's not what that cross is all about. That cross is the same cross that he carried, which was a burden for others. Amen. Amen. Come on, grab hold of what I'm telling you about. So you see, we have we've been raised in a me society. Everything is about me and my family, me and my family, me and my family, me and my family. And the Lord is saying, it's got to get outside me and my family. It's got to reach beyond that if you're going to be my disciple. He said, he said if you don't, you can't be my disciple. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. I told my mother one time when he was, I was talking to her about the rich young ruler. If you remember, he said he'd kept the law in every way. And so Jesus said, do this one more thing. Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the rich young, rich young ruler had much. And so he said, I can't do that. 
He said, I can't do that. And I looked at my mama that day and I said, Mama, I think that's for everybody. She said, no, no way. No way. But you know, as I grew and I began to mature and I began to understand what he was saying, he was saying that he's given us many, many things. But we are only stewards over them. We talk about my house, my car, my bank account, my, my, my. It's not yours. It belongs to the Lord. And if it doesn't belong to him, he said, you can't be my disciple. Wow. Aren't you glad you came this morning? To be a disciple of our Lord demands that he become the most important person thing in our life and his will becomes our will his desire becomes our desire his 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 direction becomes our direction you see when we begin to pursue our life goals the only thing that we think about is what's going to make me a success and the bible is really telling us we need to know what's going to make jesus a success in the world am i making any sense to you I'm just encouraging you to take hold of this idea of discipleship. And discipleship, we want to go out and make His name known. God says in the Old Testament many times, He said, For my own name, for my own name, for my own name, I will do these things. If you remember when Moses began to twist the arm of God. Anybody remember that Moses twisted the arm of God? He's the only person in the Bible that I ever read about that twisted the arm of God. And, And God looked at Moses and said, What are you doing to me? And the way he twisted God's arm was not in his compassion for the people, although he had great compassion. It wasn't in what he needed. He wasn't crying out about what he needed. The way he twisted God's arm, he said, what will it do for the fame of your name? Wow. And God said, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Go back to Genesis and read it. God said, for the fame of his own name. Well, he's egotistical. No, he's not. Come on. Don't get in the carnal, fleshly realm. Understand that our God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. It hung on a cross for us. That's not an ego, uh, egomaniacal God. That is a God that loves us very much and realizes that the more he's exalted, the more people that will come to him and the more people will bow before Jesus Christ. And so we must put him above all else. The disciple of the Lord Jesus must value following Jesus Christ above life itself. We know. We're very, we're very comfortable in this society. We can come to church, go back and forth. It doesn't make any difference. But I can tell you, it's not like that in every nation of the world. It's just not like that. There are people all over the world that are being killed for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people that are thrown into prison. They're tortured. They're tormented. There's all kind of things happening. And we just, and we're wondering, we're walking around wondering, well, I don't like that song selection, or I don't like that song selection, or I don't like this one, or I don't like this one. Come on, get real, folks. Come on, get out of yourself. We want to be disciples. We got to step up, not step down. We can't walk in the mire that everybody else is walking in and declare ourselves disciples. And what happens is, rather than pulling the world up into the church, the church has decided to step down in the manure that's all around us. And God said, I don't like that. Step back up where where you belong.
Begin to pull people out of those things. They're going to hate you for it. People would hate you because they pull you out of manure. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. They like the manure. They've grown accustomed to the manure. Instead of it stinking, it has a sweet smell. Any of y'all got an old dog that that loves to go and, and just roll around in something dead? Oh, my gosh. And eat something that's dead? Woo! Lily will go outside sometimes and she'll go, and when she releases her breath, I want you to know, Sue and I go, oh, put her up. And we start feeding her Altoids. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It stinks. But to them... They think they put on perfume. People that are in the muck and the mire, the people that are in the manure think it smells good. Let me let you on a little secret. It don't smell like Jesus. There's a fragrance about Jesus. It's a selfless, selfless fragrance. The disciple of Jesus Christ must place his commitment to Christ above material possessions. If it costs me anything and everything, I will follow Jesus. I prophesied over Rodney and Wanda at the old church. I probably, at this time, I probably wouldn't give that publicly ever again. But in that prophecy... I began to tell Rodney how things were going to go backwards. And they did, didn't they, Rodney? And Rodney and Wanda began to lose lots and lots and lots of stuff. Now, God sustained them and took care of them, but it was costly. Very costly. Any of y'all that remember Rodney's boat... Wanda, that wasn't your boat. That was Rodney's boat. <laughs> I remember being in Rodney's boat one time, and we were out at Westlake, and Matt Harnage was riding on the back on the tube. And Matt said, he said, you can't sling me off this. And Rodney said, hold on, big boy. Challenge accepted. And buddy, Rodney put some slack in that rope. He snatched that boy and at the time, Matt weighed about 400 pounds, and he went head over heels, and when he come up, the whole back of his pants were ripped apart. That night, there were two moons over West Point Lake. Rodney had to give up his boat. Not because of that. <laughs> Rodney and Wanda had to give up their boat. The kids had to give up their boat. And yet they didn't turn away from Jesus. Many people have given up many, many things to follow Jesus. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to give? Eddie, do you believe God will prosper me? Yep. Do you believe God would require everything from me? Yep. I do. The disciple of Jesus Christ must daily die to self-interest. 
There is no selfishness recognized in the kingdom of God. Do you know the one thing God deals with me more about than any other one thing? It's selfishness. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor, selfish. Woo. What's that, Lord? They're selfish too? Oh, okay. All right. That really wasn't the Lord. That was me. I'm just, I'm just kidding you. Selfishness. Promote my self-interest. Taking up our cross daily is speaking of our willingness to lay aside all self-seeking and selfish ambition. It means that our desire and ambition is not to satisfy ourselves, but to please the Savior. He, rather than self, is the object of our supreme affection. Pleasing Him is the highest, most compelling motive of our lives. You know, there are times that I get there, and then there are times that I back up. So I don't want to put you under condemnation at all. I'm just telling you there's another step. And where the Lord wants us to move to is He wants us to move out of the realm that we're in, and He wants us to step into His kingdom. You see, He wants to release power. He wants to release signs and wonders. He wants to release a miracle. He wants to release finances, but He's got to be able to trust us with those things. And if, we, if we're not found trustworthy, God doesn't condemn us. He loves us into the place to where we are willing to do that. Am I making sense to you today? So he's calling us into this place. There are two other major directives given to disciples. Okay, Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be a disciple. Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. I said this last week, let me tell you again. If you're an elder in the church, you're not raised up, you're lowered down. If you're a deacon in the church, you're not raised up, you're lowered down. If you're a pastor in the church, you're not raised up, you are lowered down. You have come to serve. There is a certain amount of authority that operates through that, but the idea is that authority comes only from one perspective, and that is to serve the body of Christ. Remember, remember what Paul said. He tells, he tells women to love their husbands, and then he tells men. He says, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Leadership, love my bride like you love yourself and give yourself on their behalf. If you're not willing to give yourself, you're not willing to be, you're not, you're not, you're not able to be in leadership. I'm just telling you straight up, aren't you glad you came today? Amen. And so it, he says, he says, you're not going to rule this over anybody. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the, must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. He said, you're going to be my disciple. You're going to serve many. 
we've been getting ready for Trace Dias. It's a, a, a tri- retreat where people are brought closer to the Lord. John David's the rector, the man that's heading it up this time for the men. And we've been going to different meetings. One of the things that I, I love about the meetings that we've been going to is, well, they supply us lunch. <laughs> that is good. The meetings are long, but the lunch is good. Amen. But you know what happens is there are men that are set aside to do that. And I mean, you have never been served at a five-star restaurant any better than those men serve you. They're not getting paid a dime. They're there to take care of you. They'll, find, they'll, take, your, they'll take your dishes. They'll pour you tea. They'll go get you something. They, whatever you need, they are there. They are committed to serving and then when you, go to, when you go to Trace Dias, every one of the people that are in that meeting are committed to serving the other, the other men that are there. If you want to find out more about it, talk to John, David, and Stacy. They'll get you going. Amen. So they're committed to, to serving people. Do you know one of the testimonies that always comes out of Trace Dias weekend is they say, I've never been served like I was served at that meeting. Do you know what that tells me? The church doesn't have that servant's heart towards people all the time. Now, again, I'm not condemning. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. If you're going to take the next step, you've got to become the servant. And then finally, and I'm going to close. Wow, we're going to get out of here real early. Matthew 25, 37. Then the righteous, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm righteous. Turn to the other neighbor and say, are you righteous? <laughs> Amen. All right. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? The righteous will say that. The unrighteous will stand before the Lord and say, we fed the hungry, we prayed for the sick, we did all these other things. The righteous will say, Lord, when did we feed the hungry? He said, and the thirsty you gave drink. And when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it. To me. Do you, you understand what Jesus is saying? It's not something they get together to do. It is by nature the thing they are compelled to do. The righteous are compelled to feed the hungry. The righteous are compelled to pray for the sick. The righteous are compelled to clothe the naked. The the righteous are compelled to stop whatever they're doing to minister and pray for other people. He said, that's the righteous. It's not like they're going, okay, Laura, I'm fixing to score a brownie point right here. Put this in, in the book. I'm fixing to pray. This young lady right here, she needs to be prayed for. Okay, she's fixing to get her full, full-fledged driving license and driving all by herself. God, please take care of her. Amen. Okay, Lord, I prayed for her. Mark it in the book. No. 
He's saying that's the spirit of the disciple. Not something they have to work themselves up to do. Well, we're going to have an evangelistic outreach. I don't want, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. How many of you think if Jesus decided there was going to be an evangelistic outreach, he'd look at the Father and say, I don't want to go. Are you sure you're glad you came? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That nations there is people groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Two things. A disciple is filled with the compassion of Jesus. And his heart is broken when he sees the lost. You remember when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus and he looked out over Jerusalem and he began to weep. And the people thought he was weeping because Lazarus was dead. No way. You, you think he doubted whether God was going to raise him? Didn't happen. He looked at Jerusalem and he realized that the resurrection, he was walking in their midst and they were totally blind. And he was weeping because they couldn't do it. How many nights have we spent weeping because people don't know Jesus? It's the heart of the disciple. Again, I'm not condemning. I'm just share, show, telling you what the goal is. Okay, there's a standard that Jesus has set. And he's saying, come up to this standard. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're the most selfish, self-centered human being in the entire world. There's no condemnation of that. God said, just turn that over to me and start moving up. Start moving up. And the more you move up, he said, the more the more glory and the more pleasure and the more joy and the more peace you will experience in your life. Let me tell you one of the major problems of the American church is we become consumers looking for the product. We're looking for a church that fits our perceived needs. And so we shop for churches like we shop for suits or shoes or we shop for churches like we, like, we, like we do any other consumer-oriented product. And what that does, it forces the church to become a marketing organization rather than being the church. See, if you're not the church, if you're just coming to church, then it's not right. It's all wrong. You see, you, 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 you join yourselves to brothers and sisters in Christ. You become part of who they are. Well, I like this or I don't like that. Well, they've got the best children's program in the nation. Well, if God called you there, that's wonderful. But if you're going there because they got the best children's program in the nation, then what you're saying is, I'd rather eat at Bones in downtown Atlanta than go to Golden Corral. And God's saying, go to Bones 
and you're going to be broke, if you go to Golden Corral, you'll have a little money left over. <laughs> and so what you have seen in America is this, is this birth of marketing that has caused churches to do nothing but look like the world and try to appeal to people so that their feelings are good. The church is not called to be politically correct. The church is not called to be a consumer-oriented body. The church is not called to be a marketing thing firm. It is called to be the church. And we're called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we are called to be. And until we become the church, the church will continue to look like, act like, smell like the world. And Jesus says, I have very little to do with that. Very little to do. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Amen. We become the church. We've got to become disciples. We become disciples. And we, we move through the Holy Spirit towards the thing He's called us to. That makes sense to everybody. Eddie Mason is the senior pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning. For service times, location, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may God bless and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.